The Holy Gospel according to John. After Jesus had spoken these words to his disciples, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is for you. For the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, Protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I grew up in a congregation that was also Emmanuel. That Emmanuel was much smaller than this one, always struggling. Throughout the years, we had partnered with other congregations. We've shared a pastor, tried to worship together, but it didn't work. Then we came together with Salem Lutheran, another Lutheran church across town, and after a while, it clicked. These two congregations could come together. Emmanuel and Salem became Grace Lutheran Church. The pastor at the time, Pastor Lena Warren, led the congregation in a beautiful prayer project. They were asked to pray for the new congregation. What was their hope for the future, their hope for Grace Lutheran Church? They wrote their prayers on thin pieces of fabric. They did this for multiple weeks. Then the pieces of fabric were woven through a loom to create this beautiful piece of art for the sanctuary. A vibrant red, and orange pillar of fire, kind of the shape of a tornado cloud, against an equally vibrant blue and green background. It was dynamic and bright. And it evoked the story of God leading the people of Israel through the wilderness. And also the story of the Spirit descending on the church as if on Pentecost. The image was made all the more powerful knowing that this picture was created 
by weaving prayers together. Prayers of two congregations becoming one. Prayers for a shared future. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus prays for his disciples. I'm sure Jesus prayed all the time, but most weren't written down. I love that this prayer is preserved in scripture. This prayer for all who follow Jesus. This time when Jesus prays for us. The congregation of Emmanuel, this Emmanuel, now this one, (laughs) believes in the power of prayer. Our Sunday morning prayer list is a testament to this. We also have a prayer chain, people in the congregation who are committed to praying for others, who receive email updates with prayer concerns. And we have several in our congregation who make prayer shawls and others who ask for a prayer shawl whenever they think of someone who could use that extra boost of love and support. We are a prayerful people. As a prayerful people, reading this prayer that has been preserved in our Holy Scripture, Jesus' prayer for us, our ears should perk up a bit. We should lean in and listen closely. What does Jesus want for us? What is this hope that's on his heart? Jesus says in his prayer to God the Father, Let them be one as we are one. That is the hope that Jesus has for his followers, that we are one in the same way that Jesus and God are one. What does that kind of oneness look like? We know that God the creator and Jesus are of one divine being, and yet they remain distinct too. We can mull that over a bit more two weeks from now on Trinity Sunday. God and Jesus are so one that they can't be separated, so united that there really can't be one without the other, so bound that their divine action, their mission, their purpose, their vision is one. That's how one we should be. That is the great vision that Jesus prays for, that we should be one with God and one with one another in the same way that God the Father and Jesus are one. If that's the vision, God's greatest hope for us, the prayer of Jesus, it should be our prayer too, right? But is it? Honestly, what would that even look like? Like, we're all sitting here in a Lutheran church because we all know that Lutherans, well, at least ELCA Lutherans, are obviously the best. That's why we're here. And I'm joking, but I'm also a little serious. I've been to a lot of different churches, and I love the Lutheran church. It is why I'm here. I like that Lutherans are honest about being sinners and saints. I love our emphasis on grace. I like that we're mostly traditional and liturgical in our worship practices, and we're welcoming to everyone who's seeking a community of faith. Being Lutheran feels like the best fit for me. 
But one summer, I was hosting mission trips for YouthWorks, and our housing for the summer was living in a church. This was Orchard Christian Fellowship Church. Right upstairs from their church offices is where we had our bedrooms. We attended worship there on Sunday mornings. At that point in my life, this congregation was completely different than any other church I had ever attended. Many in the congregation spoke in tongues. And this would happen spontaneously throughout the worship service, sometimes several people doing so at once. And they had these bright, these giant, brightly colored worship flags that they would wave during the songs. And the music was really catchy. The words to the songs were projected on the walls so you didn't have to hold anything while you sang. Now here are two things that I loved about that church. One was that if you asked someone to pray for you, they stopped everything that they were doing and they prayed for you on the spot, usually laying their hands on you while they prayed. And two, this community was one that didn't have a lot. But wow, did they live into the vision presented of the early church in Acts. In their bulletin announcements, there was this list of needs and this list of gifts. So it might say that Cheryl needs a window AC unit for her elderly aunt, or Bruce is looking for a used car, or Dave needs a part-time job with evening hours. And then there would be this second list with notes like, Sue has an extra refrigerator if anyone needs it. Or Kathy can drive you to doctor appointments. John has some scrap wood. That summer, I didn't agree with everything that I heard from the pulpit. Their communion practices seemed to minimize the sacrament. I don't even know if they ordained women in that church. But I was still able to learn from them. The power of praying for someone in the moment, the sharing with one another so that no one is in need, and being so open with having a need or where you have extra, these were things that I never forgot, that I still hold on to. And I wouldn't have experienced them if I didn't take the time to get to know this congregation, if I had refused to worship there. You have to get close enough to learn from one another. If you love theoretically and at a distance, you can't really get to know someone. It was good to be woven together for a summer to experience something new. When I think of the oneness that Jesus envisions for us, I think of being woven together like the prayer art that Grace Lutheran made. The many unique strands, the orange and red, green and blue, remained fully themselves, vibrant and true to their own color. And yet brought together, woven together, they created something truly beautiful and more spectacular than any strand alone. Maybe being united, being one, looks a little bit like that. 
that our individuality, what makes us special, the gifts that God gave us or gave our congregation, are a necessary part of the whole. But when it all comes together, that's when the Spirit really sings. That's when the Spirit comes alive and dances in our midst. A brief tangent, but I promise this will connect. A curious thing happens whenever I try to type the word united. The word united comes up more often than you'd think, especially in sermon writing. And more often than not, when I try to type united, I instead type untied. A silly typo, but I've made this one specific typo so many times that I've taken note of it. I think before we can be united, we need to be untied. If I'm too wrapped up in my own experiences, my own opinions, my own beliefs, my pains, my hopes, my sense of what is right and wrong, then I can lose sight of others, forgetting what has brought someone else to this moment, their history of experiences, their pains and their hopes, their beliefs that have developed over their whole life, what they hold on to as right and wrong. I need to be untied from self-righteousness, from prejudice, instead of being knotted up, looking only at myself. If I'm still knotted up when I try to connect with others, it's a tangled mess. We have to be open to meet people where they are, willing to really see them, willing to get close enough to learn and to love and to grow. Now, my own experience of weaving is limited to the childhood art of making endless potholders on a plastic loom. I loved pulling those soft, stretchy loops from one side to the other and then crossing the loops with the next set that's threaded over, under, over, under, over, under. In weaving, both sets of strands have special names. These are the warp and weft. So here's your quick vocab lesson, which is, I'm sure, what brought all of you to church today. The warp are the long yarns that are held stationary. The weft are the threads that are drawn through, the ones that are inserted over and under the warp. Now think of all the things that can be made with weaving not just neon potholders that don't actually function as potholders, but blankets and tapestries and baskets and even furniture. There is strength in the warp, in knowing who you are, in holding fast to what you know and to what you practice. And there is strength in the weft, in being able to bend, to look above and below and to find a way through. And the greatest strength is when you bring both together. When you create something that is strong and flexible, beautiful and practical, practice over millennia and yet brand new and one of a kind. A single thread can't do much alone, but brought together with other yarns, it can become a spectacular tapestry. 
If you zoom in on anything that's woven, and you'll see that warp and weft together, the vertical lines and the over-under horizontal ones, each intersection looks like a cross. A woven fabric looks like thousands of crosses put together. Jesus prays that we will be one. It doesn't always seem possible, right? We're too divided, we're too different. But with the cross at the center, with Jesus who reconciles us to God, praying this reality into being, maybe it can be so. Let this prayer be our prayer too. Let us be one with all the members of the body of Christ and one with God, our creator. May we behold the beauty, wonder, and strength of all that is possible when we are united, when we are woven together as one in God's love.